Volume 2, Chapter 12, Part 1 of The Mummy, A Tale of the 22nd Century. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Arnie Horton. The Mummy, A Tale of the 22nd Century, by Jane Loudon. Volume 2, Chapter 12, Part 1 Notwithstanding the danger of his situation, Roderick was delighted at the sight of the Allied army. Now we shall fight, cried he, and not be thrown down like dogs from the walls to perish. I could not bear to see my brave soldiers so sacrificed. But now that we shall meet fairly upon the open field, and struggle hand to hand, and man to man, we cannot fail to conquer. Heaven grant us victory, said Edric, sighing. Why, and so it will, man, repeated Roderick gaily. Come, come, rouse and cheer thy spirits, for the moment of glory ought not surely to be that of gloom. The force of the enemy had, in the meantime, rapidly advanced, and the two armies were now opposite to each other the river curving round that of Roderick like a silver band. The situation of the Irish hero was, indeed, become hazardous in the extreme, for if defeated, he could neither advance nor retreat without being exposed to imminent peril, as the river lay before him, and his rear was open to attacks from the town. But neither Roderick nor his soldiers ever contemplated the possibility of defeat. They breathed nothing but victory and as the confidence of success often ensures it they had hitherto found themselves invincible principally from the firm belief they entertained that they really were so roderick divided his army into three parts and determining to lead the van himself he gave the command of one of the other divisions to lord arthur o'neill son of the earl of tyrone and confided the other which consisted entirely of spaniards to the conduct of the spanish general don alvarez ripardo upon whose prudence he knew he might confidently rely whilst he retained edric the doctor and alexis the greek page of zoe immediately about his own person the battle soon raged with terrific grandeur the shouts and cries of the combatants mingling horribly with the roar of the cannon which echoed from the walls of the town seemed to leap from hill to hill and reverberate in the distance like peals of rolling thunder roderick in the meantime formed prodigies of valor not satisfied with directing the movement of his troops he fought bravely sword in hand like a common soldier and with all that prodigious energy and unexampled good fortune which had previously induced the belief amongst the lower classes of Spaniards of his being assisted by supernatural agency. A square was attacked and seemed upon the point of giving way, but when Roderick saw its danger and threw himself into the center, the soldiers were inspired with unwanted courage, and, fighting like lions about to be despoiled of their prey, repulsed the enemy with tremendous slaughter. In fact, nothing could resist the valor of Roderick's arm. Like Homer's Achilles, 
he seemed ready to triumph even over fate herself an unexpected occurrence however notwithstanding his prowess was very near turning the tide of the battle against him lord arthur o'neill whom he had placed at the head of one of the divisions though brave as an individual was nothing as a chief and unequal to the responsibility of the task he had undertaken stood hesitating and uncertain what to do whilst the moment for action passed away his division had been sent round to attack the enemy in the rear and roderick having advanced farther than he would have done had he not depended upon their assistance their inaction seemed likely to produce the most fatal consequences edric saw lord arthur's uncertainty and comprehending in an instant both the cause and its effects he put himself at the head of a few men and galloped to his relief arthur bewildered and overwhelmed willingly resigned his command and edric leading his division to the charge changed instantly the fortune of the day the victory that followed was decisive those combating in front against roderick astonished at hearing the din of battle in their rear wavered and became irresolute whilst disorder being once thrown amongst such a mass of men horses and ammunition wagons its consequences were irreparable the rout soon became general the french and spaniards fell over each other in dismay whilst in some instances their confusion was so excessive that they turned their arms upon their own troops mistaking them for those of their opponents the pursuit of the flying foe being confided to the spanish division of roderick's army that victorious monarch returned himself in triumph to his camp before the city gloom hung over the walls of seville as that proud city expected to become instantly the prey of the conqueror roderick however finding the garrison were still determined to resist and that his own soldiers were exhausted by the fatigue they had undergone resolved to defer the attack till the next day then retiring to his tent he ordered his officers and nobles to be summoned to hold the council of war as to their future proceedings a crowd had in consequence of this summons already collected round the monarch when edric appeared amongst them roderick saw him and hastily rushing forward clasped him in his arms my dearest friend cried he yesterday you saved my life but to-day you have preserved my honor i do not attempt to thank you for i feel the utter incompetency of words to express my feelings do not however look miserable arthur continued he addressing the unfortunate general for i do not blame you it was my fault for putting you in a situation you were not competent to fill for the future you and edric shall change places and then i trust whilst i have still the pleasure of employing my friends the interests of the state will not suffer a page now appeared bearing a riband attached to which were fastened some glittering crosses it is well said roderick taking the riband in his hand edric continued he i hope you will oblige your friend by accepting these splendid baubles from his hand they can confer no additional honor upon you in his sight 
but they may aid in establishing your authority amongst the soldiers you in future will command who regard these trinkets with respect edric gracefully bowed assent and kneeling before the monarch received his new honors with as much grace as roderick bestowed them the assembled officers and nobles pressing round and offering their congratulations whatever they might say however no one present really felt a tenth part of the delight experienced by dr entwerfen upon the occasion his transport indeed quite defies description for he danced sang jumped nay absolutely screamed with rapture till at last quite unable otherwise to give vent to the violence of his emotions he sprang to the pillar of the tent and clinging round it embraced it with all his strength all these antics had been slyly watched and enjoyed by roderick even through the circle which surrounded him though he lost sight of the doctor when he darted away it was not till the officers and nobles dispersed that the king discovered his learned friend to his infinite amusement still hugging the post it has been already observed that an unconquerable love of mischief mingled with the thousand good qualities which form the composition of roderick and that he was continually getting into scrapes and playing tricks upon all the unhappy personages who happened to fall in his way though his invincible good humor and a certain indescribable degree of the bon enfant peculiar to his character rendered it quite impossible for anyone seriously to resent his pranks it was not indeed in nature for any human creature to be long angry with roderick and thus being certain of not giving lasting offence whenever he was not positively engaged in war the restless activity of his disposition made him frolic about like a spoiled and petted child who even at the very moment of his sins being forgiven is entirely occupied in plotting some new exploit under these circumstances it may be easily imagined what an infinite fund of amusement the confiding simplicity of dr entwerfen had proven to roderick and innumerable were the tricks he had played off upon him during their long and tedious sojourn in the isle of Lyon. the important events which had since occurred had however entirely occupied the monarch's attention and the poor doctor was suffered to enjoy a long respite till this sudden view of his unabated enthusiasm presented an opportunity too tempting for the laughter-loving monarch to resist accordingly that evening one of roderick's pages affecting an air of profound secrecy presented the doctor with a mysterious bag containing several small balls of dough and a billet from the king in which he informed the doctor that these balls when boiled would be converted into a gunpowder of such amazing strength and efficacy that ten grains of it would be sufficient to blow up a whole city and that having become possessed by accident of the invaluable secret of their composition he wished to use them for the destruction of seville and not having in his whole camp so skilful 
an experimental philosopher as the doctor he had determined to confide their preparation exclusively to his care it is impossible for words to do justice to the importance that swelled in the breast of the doctor as he perused this epistle he strutted puffed himself out and did his very utmost to look big a feat he doubtless might have contrived to accomplish had not nature perversely determined to counteract his endeavors and confined his stature to about four feet eleven as it was however he certainly did make the most of himself and being firmly resolved not to lose a single instant in putting the designs of the king into execution he hastened to a vacant place between the camp and the city where some cauldrons had been hastily erected for cooking the soldiers food and there commenced his operations in the meantime roderick who had no idea the doctor would be so expeditious in his movements was busily engaged in superintending the removal of the wounded and giving orders of the assault which was to take place upon the following day he had indeed much to do for awfully heavy is the responsibility of a general who is not entirely divested of feeling for his men and the heart of roderick though a mistaken thirst for glory had made him a conqueror was kind and generous nay even tender in the extreme urged by his compassion he thus could not rest satisfied after the more arduous labors of the day were over without visiting himself the hospitals of the sick he saw their wounds dressed and tried to soften their pains whilst he spoke kindly to them and praised their valor thus employed as he passed from tent to tent the eyes of his soldiers beamed with rapture at his approach and even in the agonies of death they raised their feeble voices to call down blessings upon his head alexis followed his master in this excursion and his fine eyes sparkled with pleasure as they followed the godlike form of roderick through the crowd the monarch indeed himself started with amazement as turning suddenly he accidentally met their gaze this page said he to edric who happened to be near possesses a glance of fire i really never saw more expressive features it is often the case returned edric calmly as he assisted one of the surgeons to bind the arm of a wounded soldier the dumb generally employ gestures to make themselves understood and their features insensibly become more expressive from the muscles being more frequently brought into play you fought like a hero my brave fellow said roderick to the poor man edric had been assisting i hope your hurt is not serious and if it were through my heart said the man it's no more than i'd be proud to bear for your majesty any day of my life oh these irish sighed an old andalusian soldier who lay near and happened to understand them they are brave as lions in the field but gentle as doves when they are in a chamber have your wants also been attended to asked roderick yes god bless your majesty returned the soldier if the devil does help you when you are fighting i am sure it is god's own spirit makes you so good to your soldiers afterwards 
if the devil help me today said roderick laughing i am sure i am very much obliged to his satanic majesty for i never was in greater peril do not look so grave edric you know i am only joking and that whatever my tongue may say my heart only feels gratitude where it is really due and as he spoke he devoutly crossed himself i know said edric gravely that your heart is infinitely better than your head the fault of my countrymen cried roderick again smiling or rather the fault of nature for they poor souls can't help it our imaginations are so vivid that like a restive horse they are apt to take the bit in their teeth and gallop away at full speed in spite of all that the sage dame reason who still keeps uselessly pulling the rein can do to prevent them as soon as the more important duties of his station were fulfilled roderick intended paying a visit to dr entwerfen to discover what effect had been produced upon the doctor's mind by his treacherous letter but edric proposing that they should see the fair swiss as common politeness required they should inquire after her arm the poor doctor was driven entirely from his thoughts a separate tent had been pitched for the reception of monsieur de Malay and his daughter and when our friends entered it they found that worthy gentleman quite recovered and his lovely daughter reclining upon a kind of couch and looking more beautiful than ever her angelic features had it is true lost the animation they before expressed but their present languor made them infinitely more interesting than their former energy softness was the characteristic of pauline's beauty her figure though slight and salific was yet round and full enough to please a voluptuary her complexion was exquisitely fair but a beautiful rosy tint glowed on her cheeks whilst her clear blue eyes and golden hair gave her the look of a seraph and when she raised those bright blue eyes in gratitude to edric her look sank deep into his soul and he thought he had never before seen beauty such was pauline and when she spoke edric as he listened in rapture to the soft melting tones of her melodious voice felt he could no longer resist but yielded up his heart a willing captive to her charms yes the calm the reasoning the philosophic edric was actually in love he who had so despised and ridiculed the passion and who had affected to doubt its very existence was now become one of its most devoted victims roderick was almost as much charmed as edric with the beauty of pauline and as the circumstance which had at first introduced her to their notice formed so striking a contrast to the softness and delicacy of her present appearance that it was scarcely possible to suppose her the same person a feeling of curiosity mingled with the interest she excited when our friends entered the room monsieur de Malay rose to receive them i know not how to thank you said he his voice almost stifled with emotion my own life was of little value but for that of this dear child he could not proceed roderick took his offered hand my dear sir cried he 
talk not of thanks edric and myself are but too well repaid in seeing you thus recovered and i am sure we shall ever esteem the day when we were so fortunate as to be of service to you as the happiest of our lives you are too good exclaimed monsieur de Malay. too good and he could no longer restrain his tears roderick was deeply affected he could not bear to see an old man weep and he again took monsieur de Malay's hand pressing it respectfully to his lips my dear sir exclaimed he what i have as yet been able to do for you is nothing but if you will return with me to ireland i may be able hush my good friend replied monsieur de Malay. i do not doubt your kindness nor your power but i have had too much of professions my father said pauline interposing her soft sweet voice has suffered much forgive him if he seem ungrateful for your kindness but repeated disappointments sour the spirit we have seen much trouble and her voice trembled as she spoke alas if you have not been exempt from trouble who shall dare complain exclaimed edric in a voice as soft and tremulous as her own pauline turned her beautiful eyes upon him pardon me sir said she that i have not before thanked you be assured it has not been for want of feeling your kindness but sometimes the heart is too full for utterance thanks from your lips madame returned roderick would be a reward for any service pauline blushed you too sir were kindness itself rejoined she think not i am insensible to your favours but i am a bankrupt even in thanks alas fate destines us to incur continually obligations which we can never repay a grateful heart is more than words said her father and in that my child i know you will never be deficient but to whom are we indebted for such kindness i am the king of ireland said roderick smiling surnamed the devil's favorite here in spain is it possible cried monsieur de Malay do i indeed see the illustrious roderick and this continued roderick without noticing his exclamation is my friend mr montague an englishman who like many of his countrymen not consented with enjoying every luxury at home rambles into foreign climes to grumble and find fault with everything he may chance to meet do not believe him madame cried edric my countrymen are fond of travelling it is true and may find fault occasionally with what they think deficient in a strange land but i assure you we travel from a desire of improving ourselves and acquiring knowledge whilst we only find fault in the charitable hope that our censures may produce amendment that is supposing your censures are just replied roderick but that we sometimes take the liberty to doubt i think nothing more unreasonable than to censure customs merely because we are not used to them said monsieur de Malay. for my part when i travel i make up my mind to be satisfied with everything as i think i have no right to quarrel with inconveniences i have sought myself it would be well rejoined roderick if all were of your opinion 
and if those who cannot be contented abroad would try to rest contented at home but you speak as though you had traveled and i think your daughter mentioned yesterday that you were strangers in spain we are swiss replied monsieur de Malay. my name is de Malay, a name which you may have heard as belonging to a champion of liberty powerless as my efforts have been i was that champion and the reward of my labors is poverty and disgrace in a foreign land but surely said roderick the spaniards as a nation of freemen would receive a martyr for liberty with open arms and would treat him as a brother yes yes replied monsieur de Malay bitterly i have had a tolerable specimen of their fraternal affection they received me with protestations fed me with delusive promises and then left me to perish miserably not designedly my dear father said pauline i cannot suppose they left us to perish designedly oh no cried roderick that must have been impossible tigers must have been moved to pity by that voice they never could have intended to leave you to perish sire replied monsieur de Malay gravely you forget my daughter and i are but plain simple swiss we are unused to flattery and to the language of courts do not then address expressions to us above our comprehension which may lead us to forget the distance fortune has placed between us speak not of the difference of rank interrupted roderick impatiently beauty and merit like that of your daughter place her upon a level with a throne pardon me sire replied pauline blushing and casting her eyes upon the ground i am perfectly aware of the humility of my station i am aware that i was not born to be a companion of kings and princes nor have i any wish to exalt myself above the situation in which nature has placed me my duty to my father led me to follow him to the spanish court it was the first that i had seen and forgive me sire if i say i sincerely hope it may be the last but you must not judge of us by the spaniards i know it well sire report has always spoken of the irish hero as noble generous and kind even his enemies have done justice to his merits and the fame of roderick has spread to every corner of the globe i know that he is incapable of treating my father as he has been treated by the directors of spain but i also know that he is so far superior to myself as to make his notice a condescension which i dare not flatter myself will continue and of which i know myself perfectly undeserving edric's eyes expressed his admiration and pauline's glowing cheeks proved she saw and understood their meaning roderick however was not quite so well pleased he felt himself rebuked and roderick did not like to feel himself in the wrong you are too modest said he then turning to edric edric continued he have you any idea what is become of dr entwerfen then again addressing himself to pauline he added i propose you will be very much amused with the learned doctor mademoiselle de Malay but i give you fair notice before you see him that you must not laugh at him before his face for edric is as tenacious of the feelings of his tutor as of his own 
Pauline's eyes expressed her approbation of Edric's delicacy upon this point, and as they met his, they conveyed more pleasure to his heart than language could express. From this moment, Pauline and Edric seemed to understand each other, for they felt there was a community of feeling between them. The mute intelligence of the eyes sometimes says more than whole years of commonplace intercourse, and thus Pauline and Edric felt like old friends, though they had scarcely exchanged half a dozen sentences. Was not that the gentleman who relieved me from my swoon? asked Monsieur de Malay. Before Roderick had time to answer, an officer rushed into the room, looking the very image of despair, and approaching Roderick, bent his knee before him. What is the matter? cried the monarch sternly. Speak, if you have committed a fault, you have less to fear from my justice than my mercy, for misplaced lenity only encourages crime. Pardon, sire, exclaimed the officer, still kneeling. But, but, speak, no evasion. Your majesty commanded that we should watch that no harm happened to Dr. Entwerfen, and, and he has been taken by the enemy. Fool, dolt, blockhead, cried Roderick, and, taking leave of Mr. de Malay and his daughter, he and Edric hastily quitted the tent. The balls the Irish king had given the doctor were simply formed of dough, the same as that used in the making of bread, with only the addition of a little bit of quicksilver rolled up in the center of each. This the merry monarch knew, as soon as it was exposed to the action of heat, would make the dumplings dance about as though they were bewitched and he anticipated great amusement from seeing a doctor's exertions to keep them in the pot, and his despair at not being able to do so. To prevent the possibility of mischief, however, he had desired a select guard to keep watch over the unfortunate philosopher, and never to lose sight of him, taking care to prevent, if possible, his being exposed to any danger, and it was to the negligence of these fellows who did not perform their duty, that the unhappy fate of the doctor was owing. The moment the doctor had received the fatal balls, he hastened to the cauldron, and hastily kindling a fire, began to try the experiment. The balls more than answered Roderick's expectations, for, as soon as they were affected by the heat, they began to jump out of the pot, one after the other, with the most determined perseverance. The doctor was in a violent perspiration from being exposed to the steam of the cauldron, and he threw off his coat to cool himself. His wig also slipped on one side in his exertions to recover the provoking balls, he being obliged to skip after them with the utmost agility as they rolled bounding along, whilst he had no sooner caught one and put it back into the pot than another would jump out and begin a new set of vagaries. The doctor, though tired and provoked, did not, however, relax his labors even for an instant, and he was running, panting, and out of breath after one of these mercurial harlequins when he was stopped by a rough arm, whilst a man in a gruff voice demanded what he was doing there. The doctor looked up, and finding with horror that he was surrounded by eight or ten armed Spaniards, answered in trembling accents that he was making gunpowder gunpowder exclaimed one of the men 
but what were you doing with those balls i was boiling them replied the doctor with great awe you seem to be playing with them i think resumed the man were you running after them to make gunpowder yes they wouldn't stay in the pots and i was obliged to run after them to catch them the soldiers burst into a hoarse laugh at this naive reply and their merriment offered a ridiculous contrast to the doctor's woeful visage end of chapter twelve part one of volume two